Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satuna, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Yeah, so, well, thank you for coming. Did you yeah. start recording? Right on. Um, yeah, thanks for coming in. I, yeah. I'm i excited to hear your story. Cool. You can, and you can tell it any way you like. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'll start off a little bit about, like, like how I kind of grew up, a little bit of my backstory to kind of mm. get an idea. And, um, yeah, so I was born in Calgary. I lived with my mom, my dad, my brother. Um, growing up, my family was really, like, um, really separated. My mom drank a lot. Um, I mean, I, yeah, she drank a lot. My, my father always worked, and my, my mom and my dad didn't get along too well, so... Um, there was like constant fighting, yelling, whatnot. Um, yeah, and like my family tried this thing, like the geographical change. So like I went to 24 different schools. We sold everything once and moved to England for a couple of years. Like none of that worked, right? Because the problem was within. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we moved around a lot. Um, when I was in school, like, I love school, right? Because I just didn't want to be at home. Like, um, you know, from a young age, I had, like, you know, this void, like, that, um, you know, I tried to fill with all these outside things, especially since, since I wasn't, like, getting the love and um, kind of, like, affection that I kind of needed as a kid. Like, yeah, so when I was at school, grade A student on all the sports teams, like, um, MVP for the city of Calgary for volleyball and like yeah I was like did really well and like I got along with lots of different people um right like and from a young age if I look back I I don't think I ever really felt like I really belonged somewhere like I always felt like there was something missing and like so my using career kind of starts like you know, being 16 and um, all these kids invite me out to a party and they're like, yeah, you want to drink? And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I had never drank. I seen the effects. Like I seen how it was like deteriorating my family. Like my, my mom was always drunk and incapacitated and my father and my mom always fought about it. Um, but like, I just wanted to fit in. And I remember that first time drinking. Um, and I didn't know how alcohol worked at this time. So I was just like, I was like, oh, it's not working, so I'll just drink more, right? And my first time I drank, it was um, this, like, pink or red sourpuss or something. And I oh. didn't, I, I threw up. I thought I was dying. Everyone's like, it's just the color of the liquor, Alicia. <laughs> I remember <laughs> those things, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such a bad hangover because <laughs> there's so much sugar involved mm-hmm. in them, yeah. But, um. So, like, at that point, I realized, like, I like the attention of, of, like, being around and kind of, like, the party thing, but, like, drinking scared me a little bit because, like, I lost complete control right mm-hmm. away, right? Um, and, um, yeah, so, like, I, I hung out with people for a little bit, but I kind of, like, you know, I, I stayed away at this point. Like, you know, I, I could take or leave it alone. Um, wasn't really a thing for me. Um, in high school, I started to drop out of my classes and, and kind of like I started smoking a lot of weed um started like going to like these teen night things um and like 
Yeah, again, I just, I like the um, the atmosphere. And, and like, so my at this point, my mom and my dad had divorced. Um, there was like a lot of like family stuff that went on. Like my, my mom cheated on my dad with my dad's best friend. Like mm. lots of like, yeah, just stuff to process. <laughs> lots of painful stuff. Yeah. yeah, lots of painful stuff. And um, yeah, so at this point, my, my, my dad, my mom divorced and I stayed with my mom. And um, yeah, like, you know, from 16 onward, like I thought it was just a normal thing to drink and have people mm. over. I could pretty much do whatever I wanted um, as long as anyone brought over liquor for my mom. And um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought it was normal. So I, I drank from here and like from here to there. Like it, it wasn't, um, you know, I, I hadn't crossed that line at that point. And um, as time progressed, like I, I started to like experiment with, with some party drugs, like um, ecstasy, whatnot. Um, and still wasn't, at that point, still a recreational user, still hadn't, you know, developed that allergy at that point. And um, yeah. Let's think. So um, I was driving on Deerfoot one day to work and I got sideswiped by one to moving truck. And that's where things like really took a really big turn for me. So, you know, at this point, you know, I, I was working two full time jobs, going to the gym all the time, like sports and athletic. Like that was something that was always really good for my mental health. And, you know, I, I couldn't do that anymore. Um, I had brain damage and I had an injury to my C4 vertebrae. Um, I ended up being in a neck brace for like six months. And um, yeah, it's like, it totally changed things. At this point I was like prescribed some medication and I didn't abuse it at this point. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was, I, was, I was 17 at this point and like, um, yeah, I, I had no idea about like how um, dependent bodies can become on yeah painkillers or anything like that and um so I so I got those injuries I at this point I kind of start to lose control of myself like you know I don't have those passions going on I don't have like that sense of community do you want a glass of water or anything um you okay sure maybe yeah. water would be good thank you okay. You're welcome. um yeah so I, I didn't have that sense of community anymore and you know, I, I just started to like feel pretty bad about myself, um, constantly in pain, really bad pain. Like it was so overwhelming. And at this point I, I started to use like, I, I started to use substances at this point to change the way I felt. I started to drink and like, thank you. And that led to other things. Cause I, I just, I didn't like the way I felt. And like, that's when I, I seen that I could use substances to change that. Um, yeah, as time progressed, like, you know, I, I can see, like, you know, I, I went from that moderate drinker user to that heavy drinker user. Um, at, I ended up, um, I ended up getting in another accident, like, three years after that accident, I was riding my friend's motorcycle, and we got rear-ended at a stoplight, and this, this girl behind us, like, um, she, like, she just tapped into us, and then when I turned back, instead of her reversing, she actually slammed on the gas. So I flew off the bike into the right-hand lane. I almost got um, ran over. My shoulder was hanging out. Uh, yeah, it was, it was not a good experience. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, like, that exacerbated my injuries from before, and, and this is where I started to, like, use my, my pills as another means to, like, escape the way I was feeling. Um, did you re-injure your neck by chance or? Yeah, 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 I did. Um, and my, so I had like a partial tear in my shoulder, mm -hmm. um, from that one. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like I have scars all down the front. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like hanging. Wow. <laughs> like More, what? more chronic pain, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Chronic pain is a big part of my story. And like, you <laughs> I know, like how you're laughing. We're like, yeah, I was just like hanging down here and. <laughs> Yeah, anyone who's Sometimes almost lost Sometimes you just got to laugh about it because it's just, it's just that fucked, you yeah, know? Yeah, <laughs> it totally is, yeah. Yeah, um, so, yeah, from those accidents, like, you know, just, I started to abuse, like, I'm, I'm abusing different substances, and, like, at this point, like, I'm not as inconsistent with work. Um, I'm not able to, like, 
take care of myself that well. Like I had so many specialist appointments, physiotherapy, acupuncture, like so many things. Like my full-time job was to like get my body better. And I was, you know, I, I wasn't just like numbing my, my um, emotional pain and all the trauma and all that shit. Like I was like numbing the physical pain too. So I, I also justified a lot of it, right? Like you know, because there was that need to like deal with pain, but I was I was going over and above, mm. right? Yeah. Um, but that's the tough part about being in recovery and having chronic pain, right? Is walking that line. Yeah, it that that has been probably one of my biggest things that I mm -hmm. have had to really, yeah, work on and, and find a balance and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to do too. Yeah, I've been through a couple of neck surgeries in recovery, mm -hmm. like just like six months ago, and. Um, you know, I was, I was really worried about it, um, cause I had to take some, like, so, um, primarily like how things escalated for me was fentanyl became my drug of choice mm. and they wanted to give me fentanyl. And I, I really, I had to pray a lot and reach out to my, my pillars, reach out to my sponsor, mm. talk about it. Um, and make sure I was like really centered going in mm. there. Cause I like, yeah, I'm, I'm just worried. I don't want, of yeah. course. So. I had three back surgeries in, yeah. in recovery, so it's not easy, yeah. Yeah. At least I'm sober and can take care of my body now. That's because the big like, difference, yeah. You know, being drunk, being high, mm -hmm. flailing out, it's not good for the body <laughs> when it's injured. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially some of the drugs that are out there, like, really attack the spinal cord and all the spinal juices we need. Nervous system, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. <laughs> and it is difficult. Uh, that water... Obviously, it must be holy water because as we sat here, the Holy Ghost separated in there and because it was like the church pipe water. <laughs> it should be okay. I'm drinking it too, but yeah, I'm kind of curious if it's going to make us sick. <laughs> awesome. It's like a surprise. Totally. I don't think it will, but I'm sorry for interrupting. That's okay. Um, yeah, I remember, um, you know, like from a young age, I always wanted my dad's like validation and his love and affection. So like... You know, I, I tried to, like, you know, achieve really high marks in school and, like, do really good on the sports teams. And, like, you know, I, I feel like that, um, like, not having that that uh, affection and support growing up when I wanted it so bad kind of, like, jaded me in the end. That Those were some of my big resentments that I really held on to and, like, used over with, like, for my family, which I'm grateful I found a solution for now. But... Um, so I remember like getting in this argument with my dad one day and, um, at this point, you know, I, I, um, I was dating this guy. He moved in right away because that's, that's how, how, how I it. roll when I'm out there. <laughs> that's how we do it out there. <laughs> right. And, um, one, one set, one rent is easier than two rents. Right. Yeah. It, it seems logically like a great idea. hundred percent. Right? Except as you get older, it becomes the worst idea you could do. Yes. Yeah. In some cases. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, some people were very happy. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good for you, fuckers. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, like, my father and I got in this argument, and um, he was, like, he said, like, you know what, Alicia, like, at this point, I think it was, like, had to do with my inconsistency, and, like, he could see that I was, like, like I wasn't doing well. And he was, like, you know what, you, like, you got to get your shit together and pull your head out of your ass. And until you do so, like, you're not allowed around this family. And I, I remember at that point, that is when I crossed that imaginary line, mm. my using career. Like, once I used that that time and I es escaped that feeling and I, I just, like, you know, and I, and I crushed my pills up and I used them. From that point onward, like, there was no looking back. There was, like, no, no slow progress. Mm. It was, like, off to the races. Um... Yeah, from there, it was like, um, you know, using up all my painkillers, my ex-fiance and I are using them just like isolating. So we're not harming anyone at this point but ourselves. And slowly, you know, I'm doctor hopping, going on different mm -hmm. doctors to get painkiller. I'm on like painkillers, benzos, whatever. I'll do some, I'll sell some um, to get other things like. Um, so like the unmanageability is really starting to like develop mm. at this point. We end up um, losing our, oh, we end up pawning off our stuff, you know, borrowing money from family, get kicked out of the place, in between places, um, you know, 
and it just kind of went from there. Like I, I remember getting cut off from my, my painkillers from the doctor and my ex-fiance was like, I'm, I'm going to go get us some pills so you're not dope sick. Cause that, that was also something like, I didn't know what dope sickness was. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was taking my painkillers as prescribed and I went camping and I forgot them. I was like, I woke up one day, I was like, wow, I feel like a bag of dicks. Like, and, and my ex-fiance is like, I, I think you have physical withdrawals. And I was like, I'm not a junkie. Like, why would I have them? Cause like, I was really ignorant. Like I, I did not understand, like, and I did not know about the, the physical dependency or anything like that. But yeah, so like at this point we're selling all of our stuff and moving out. He goes to go get um, some pills off the street and he comes back and they look the same as the other pills. And um, he's like, oh, this is really strong. This is better than having to do all these other pills. And then shortly after, you know, you see all these like green pills on the front of the newspapers and like there are the fentanyl pills and um, uh, yeah, like it, it went so quick from that point. Um, like I was so powerless over that. I would lie, chill or cheat, steal, um, you know, so many times, like I crossed so many like lines that I never thought I'd cross. Um, yeah, I ended up getting involved in, um, you know, I was never good at stealing. Um, I was like really computer smart, right? So um, in my addiction, somehow, like I, I went to somebody's house one time and I seen someone printing money and I was like, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And so I did. <laughs> and um, I did not know what a serious charge that was. Mm -hmm. I was looking at seven years um, for production of counterfeit money. That's federal, right? Yeah. yeah, and um, like the, I had 15 other charges that time, and this is just one of the bottoms. Like this wasn't mm. even a sufficient bottom for me to stop at this point, right? Um, yeah, like um, there was like so there was like 15 other charges, all of them mostly like impersonation, um, possession of like other people's mm. bill, like bills and credit cards and IDs, and like yeah, it was you know, I remember like calling my family from jail. And you know, at this point, like my, my dad drove down and, and he bailed me out. And, um, you know, it was the first time I was pretty shaken, you know, at this point, you know, I'd, I'd been around people in my addiction that had, that had died. And like, you know, I'd, I'd seen some messed up things, but this was finally like a sufficient bottom that had some consequences. Um, so I ended up getting a three year CSO, which is a conditional sentence order. And, um, you know, I had some conditions that definitely helped keep me in line because, uh, well, I didn't want to go to federal prison. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. That's, uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, but like, you know, luckily, you know, I, I breached a couple of times and they didn't collapse it. And um, yeah, I, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't a good time. Like the insanity took me from like different houses on the street. I used to live in a tent beside the river. Mm -hmm. I remember waking up one morning and the, pol the peace officer came and like knocked on the tent and was like, excuse me, you're going to have to leave here. And I was like, he's like, girls, I'm going to give you a ticket. And I was like, I don't really care if you give me a ticket at this point, sir. I have no home. I have nowhere like, you know, um, yeah, and I'm like out on the streets with all my injuries, which I'm just like harming my body even more because it's so exhausting. Like, um, yeah, like sleeping from place to place, try, like trying to find places for food. Um, you know, I'd burnt every bridge at this point. I'd stolen from my family. Um, yeah, just like the insanity was, it was so much. I, I tried to get sober probably like, I went to detox five different times. Um, I went once in Grand Prairie, my, um, yeah. Um, and all those times I thought if I just got stopped mm -hmm. that that would be enough. And I'm like, yeah, I just need to get over the detox process. I just, I just need to feel like I have a clearer head and I'll be fine. Right. It never occurred to me that I couldn't stay stopped on my own. Mm -hmm. I just, I just thought I just had to will it. Right. Um, just get over that hump. And, um, yeah, like some things that happened that like, you know, there's things that as I'm sober for longer, like I remember more and more things from my past and like, you know, 
it's crazy that we hold on to a lot of these things and those are some of the like fears and the the resentments that we drink and and we use over um when i decided to get sober um well i guess it's kind of like a god shot but i had been going from place to place and um, ended up giving a friend some money for my ex-fiance and i had to stay at his place and i'd spent all my money um like in two days and I just had this feeling that if I used again I was gonna die it was like it's like it was like an overwhelming um feeling like that yeah that I was gonna die if I if I continued to use and I just looked at my ex-fiance I was like all right I gotta go to detox I'm like I don't know what I gotta do but it's it's not being right here I'm like something bad's gonna happen and like you know I'm so grateful for that moment like I didn't I haven't had a hundred percent um, absence from that point, but that mm-hmm. was a really big pivotal point um, mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah, so, pivotal points don't always mean we stop, right? Yeah, like, yeah. but it was like one of those like really heavy lessons mm-hmm. and like feelings, like that new level of willingness that mm-hmm. I had at that point and like desperation, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so I remember calling the dope team and I asked them to pick me up and um, they ended up picking me up and took me to detox and being in detox I remember they were like so Alicia what are you willing to do differently this time and I was like I don't know like but I was so beaten and broken like my ego had been smashed I had proved to myself I could not get sober on my own like like I had tried the most I had ever gotten was five months and like that was not emotional sobriety that was like white knuckling like just being abstinent right um yeah and um, what was I saying? Yeah, so they ended up telling me that they had a bed for this women's treatment center. And um, I tried a private treatment center that I paid for out of my lawsuit. Um, I didn't know anything. I, yeah, I didn't really know much. Like the private treatment center that I went to was good. That's where I ended up getting the five months. Um, but um, yeah. I hadn't learned about meetings or any sort of 12-step fellowship and, until I went to this woman's uh, trauma-based treatment center. So when I went there, or um, they, I, they said that they had a bed in four days, and I, I took the bed. Like, I, you know what, I can say I actually was beaten into a state of reasonableness when I went into the detox center that time because I was just like, you know what, whatever people suggest, I should give it a try because mm-hmm. whatever I'm doing isn't working. Like, you know, I was so tired of, like, you know, the fact that I burned all those bridges with friends, with family. Um, you know, I couldn't stand to look at myself, the shame, the guilt, all that. Like, I just, yeah, I, I'm super grateful for that that moment of having, like, that God shot. Because I truly think that if I would have kept using it, I probably would have died. Mm-hmm. So I, I go into this treatment center and, um, yeah, like, that's that gave me enough time to kind of, like, get a little bit of a clear head and and that's where I went to my first meeting and um yeah I remember like my first meeting um I was like really shocked that everyone was like just hanging around talking more so like I think you know I see like some of those movies and everyone's just sitting there real quiet reserved (laughs) in their chair Mm -hmm. in their AA meeting in the show or whatever and it's like you know I was like super attracted to the unity and the fellowship and I was like oh this this might be kind of fun and um yeah like my first couple of meetings like I was definitely pretty shy and like when they suggested to get a sponsor I was like I was like okay so I remember um like I got a I got a sponsor we um we started like we had we had talked a little bit I ended up going um so I had this weekend pass while I was in treatment and um I always knew I was was an addict I just did not think I was an alcoholic Mm. so on my weekend pass my girlfriend and I thought oh yeah like we're drug addicts we can go have a drink on our weekend pass and be (laughs) fine and um, so I had a couple of drinks I had three drinks and stopped and my girlfriend had carried on and um, yeah like you know and I was so in 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 denial too because when they asked me at the treatment center because my my p-test came back negative because i i had the three drinks and i stopped right um but i was like 
I just, I, they, they knew that I had drank and I was like lying. Right. And they're like, yeah, I, I was just in so much denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I'm so grateful for what my first sponsor said. Um, cause she's like, Alicia, you came into this program and you came in here wanting to like, like it was a matter of life and death for you. And like, what would you have done if anything else was there? Like, it might not be that one time that takes you out or the next time or the third time, but sooner or later, like if you have the allergy, if you've crossed that line, like it will catch up to you. Right. And like, yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful she said that because that's when I, you know, I finally, I, I really got step one, right. It went from my head to my heart that I can no longer safely put anything into my body. Right. Um, you know, maybe I have different preferences over some of the effects that different things give me, but you know, all of them lead to the same thing for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, after that point, we started um, working the 12 steps and yeah, you know, I remember seeing everyone carry around their big books and like talk about this book and I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like everyone's like, yeah, the big book is awesome. And like, you know, I never thought that like, you know, there's a part in the big book where it talks about like, you know, what I first thought to be a flimsy read proved to be the loving hand of God. Like I was like, I get this now. Like my, my first big book is like falling apart and <laughs> it's been everywhere <laughs> with me. And like, you know, it's so amazing because I, I definitely did not think that I was going to find a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, you know, and more so even like emotional sobriety. Like I, I just wanted to get in off the streets. I wanted my family to like, you know, trust me in their home again. Um, yeah, you know, it, like I remember like going, one of the times I went to detox, um, I had stolen from my dad before and my, my dad's ex-fiance would not let me in the house after I went to detox. And I remember like when I made that amend with my father, he said one of the hardest things that he had to do that time was, you know, he picked me up from detox. We went for food and he, he gave me like 20, 40 bucks to buy a bus pass and dropped me off at the train station because I, I, I could not be trusted in his house. Mm-hmm. Like, and he said that that was like one of the most heartbreaking things mm-hmm. to have to do that. Right. That must uh, be just so hard for a parent day. Eh? Like, yeah. To, yeah. To say like, no. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. So like during the steps, like, it was pressed upon me, like the importance of like, you know, getting involved in service. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was super big for me. So I started chairing meetings pretty early and, um, yeah, like, is it cool if I just share on each of, of the course. steps? Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course you can. Yeah. So yeah, the step one, like, you know, it was so easy to see the unmanageability and the powerlessness, like in the progression, right? Like I truly believe that I'm an, an alcoholic addict that went from like the moderate to the heavy to the real deal Mm -hmm. right like there I don't have any doubts or reservations um that I am not an alcoholic or an addict um you know I've I've proven that to myself time and time again and and it's not just something I know in my head I know Mm -hmm. it in my heart right and I've and I don't just know it I've accepted it right Mm -hmm. um which there's been just even so much relief just in that right Mm um yeah well, the pain's always in the fighting. Mm-hmm. Every person I watch struggle, it's in the fighting. doesn't matter what they're fighting. It's just fighting that causes the problem, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Just resistance of this, like, idea that we've never tried before, you mm-hmm. know? But we want to say we have because it didn't work or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember, like, when I first read this big book and, like, when uh, my first sponsor was, like, qual- when I was qualifying myself as an alcoholic, mm-hmm. Um, I was like, wow, like I've answered yes to all these questions. <laughs> like, I'm like, these people get me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, no like you know, and I, I felt like, you know what, like at least like, you know, I, I, I felt like there was hope there because, you know, I, I seen that there was other people who struggled with what I did and like mm. that I wasn't alone. Right. Um, you know, I always thought of myself like a snowflake, like original. and (laughs) you know special but well you are in lots of ways well well we all are in lots of ways but i thought Mm -hmm. i was unique (laughs) in In that in your alcoholism (laughs) yeah in my you know in my Mm -hmm. alcoholism yeah and um yeah that's funny because we're not really that unique not in not not, in those respects not in that way yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
And um, <clears throat> yeah, like I remember when um, I did my first step when like when my sponsor and I talked about what some of my reservations might be, like um, things that like I might drink or, or use over. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, one of them was if my, my mom, my dad or, or my brother died. Mm -hmm. And I can say today, as a result of this program, like, you know, my father's dying right now, mm -hmm. and I'm I have sorry. not thought about drinking or using. Mm -hmm. It's like the last thing on my mind. It's pretty. Right? It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, I was like, I like to use that example with like women and people in the rooms because, mm -hmm. like, you know, the, like those things that I never thought that I could get over mm -hmm. um, in life, and all, like all those things that I used to drink and use over, over like breakups and financial insecurity mm -hmm. and you know, the loss of people and, and things like, yeah, so mm -hmm. that, yeah. And um, step two, like, I always believed in something from a young age, like like my, my family, like my, my grandpa read the Bible and he liked some things in it, but he said that some things were conflicting. Mm -hmm. um, Lots and then of my <laughs> But that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. It's and perfectly then, okay. And then my dad, um, he was an atheist. He doesn't believe in anything. Mm -hmm. He's like, there's no, no reason for anything. It just, life just is. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'd never like really heard my mom talk too much about it. But I was like, I was always open-minded. Like I was, um, I was baptized when I was younger. And like, I always like, I always liked the idea of believing in something. I just mm -hmm. didn't have something that I truly believed in, right? There's certain parts of it. So it's like from a young age, I always wanted to believe in something, and if I knew what that was, I I would have said I'd be more would have been more spiritual mm -hmm. as a child, right? But um, so like, I remember trying to read the Bible myself. It didn't make a lot of sense, but I tried, <laughs> and um, yeah, I went to Catholic school for a bit, and like, you know, something from a young age, like I always prayed, but I didn't really know what I was praying to, mm -hmm. so. Um, you know, but then like when I come into the program and I seen that this program was working for other people, that gave me hope. Mm -hmm. When it came to me believing that something, you know, that a higher power out there could restore me to, to sanity, I was just like, I don't know. I just, um, you know, I seen it was working for other people. So I was like, maybe it can. I, I just don't think it ever occurred to me that maybe to ask whatever it was out there for mm -hmm. help in that capacity, like, um, yeah so with step two um yeah learning that like that belief for me it started with believing that that it worked for other people mm -hmm. and as i kept moving forward with the rest of the steps that's when my belief really started to grow and you know i started to not feel so alone and so fearful at this time like um yeah it was like it was definitely a really really big relief for me um well, yeah one of my favorite stories in the big book is the jaywalker story every time i read it with my sponsees i'm like this is my favorite story <laughs> right because i just found like it was a really extreme great example of like me in my addiction right me while i was using like the insanity like i just i wanted to stop so bad and i'd say i'd stop and and i couldn't stop and i just you know, all the things that I did, the insanity I lived in, um, you know, and it didn't even seem like insanity because it's like, you know, um, if you're standing in front of the tree, you can't see the forest, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was so immersed in the problem that like even more, like the more time I have sober, I, I see and I'm like, yeah, I was fucked. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't believe I didn't see like I was so mm -hmm. fucked and thought I was like, oh, it's not that bad. People don't know I'm high. I'm like... <laughs> People that can't tell I'm drunk, mm -hmm. like, yeah. Um, You'll wake up at like 10 years sober and you'll just be like, oh my God, I did that? <laughs> totally. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> You'll come by it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mom, she just sent me a couple like Facebook memories like over this past week. Of, oh like, no. <laughs> oh, they are fucked. I'm I like, bet. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> I got lucky. I sobered up the year Facebook came out. So it was like, I didn't have to worry about that part of it. It's good. Sometimes, you know, I don't, I sometimes it's kind of like, it just, it reminds me about where I came from. Mm -hmm. So it kind of adds to my step one, like, yeah. 
I remember my best friend before she died. She just recently died um, in December from an overdose. Oh, she sorry had um, to hear that. Yeah, um, she had like waited till May one year to. Sh she's like, I want to show you something so you never forget where how bad you were. Mm. She's like, but I didn't want to show you before because <laughs> she's like, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so I watched this video and I was just like, you know, it, it really to see myself like like that messed up and out of it and like incoherent and like just soulless lifeless mm. like um yeah like you know when when i like forget about how bad it is and life is going really good i think about that and i'm like yeah yeah mm. um yeah so step three made a decision to turn our will and our life over our higher power like at first for me um it was just a decision to move forward with the steps like um i i didn't really understand what what alicia's will was and what like the universe's will or god's will is um until i did my step four i knew though that um like if i if i'm like trying to force things and control things and and I'm trying to manipulate to get things, then then that's probably my will, because like that's that's not the way like my higher power would operate, right? Because in step two, my sponsor had me figure out like a couple like some of the characteristics of my higher power, and it, like for me, it was important that it was unconditionally loving, mm -hmm. and um, you know, compassionate and all these things. So like if I tried to operate by those principles by which. I believed my higher power to have, then chances are I'd, I'd more than likely be living in like God's will or like mm. the universe's will. So my first step four, I, I was stoked to do it. Mm. I was actually excited. I was just like, you know, I, at this point, like going to meetings, I kept hearing like step four and five is where you're going to get like, that's going to clear your path. And like, that's where you're going to get mm. connected. So I was like really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, like that was definitely the first time I ever looked at my resentments, mm -hmm. my fears, my sex conduct, you know, um, and, and writing that all down and, and understanding the importance of why I had to write that down is probably what also made it so, so easy knowing that like if I, if I wanted what anyone else had, if I wanted what my sponsor had or the people that went before me, like I had to do this and look at these things honestly. And I was such a dishonest person. I would steal your stuff and help you look for it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, just lie about things I didn't even need to lie about. Like, <laughs> Everything yeah. was important to lie about though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, when I, when I did my step five with my sponsor, um, you know, she sat down and like, she smudged with me and like we prayed together and we invited our higher powers to sit with us and um, we went through my resentments and my fears and my sex conduct and like like I had kind of touched on earlier like those the really deep resentments that affected me for a long time was um, stuff with my mom and my dad like um, those first and foremost were like you know things that I really like you know I was really resentful you know that my my dad never had time for me and was always working and my, my family never came to any of my sports teams and I, I felt unloved. But when I sat there with my sponsor and she's like, well, do you think your dad was trying to show some love by working and providing for the family? And what was your father's upbringing like? Like my, my dad's family is from Bombay, India. Mm. Um, uh, like uh, on that side of the family, like affection is not a strong suit. Mm. Um, and like things are a lot different and I'd never thought about like what was my dad's upbringing like what what did he go through and it's like you know his dad was a an abusive alcoholic too and I you know I thought about these things and like that that helped kind of like you know help me see my part in a different perspective and like that that started to like you know take away from that resentment um, you know some I'm still working on with my mom um, you know I was really resentful at her drinking um, there was like, yeah, just like, yeah, her sleeping with my dad's best friend mm -hmm. and like the stuff that came, that came with, cause like my dad's best friend's daughter and I were best friends and like that, that was a lot. And like, mm -hmm. you know, like drinking, like my mom would sleep with my friends and like, just, um, just like really wild and like more like, um, I guess I never really felt like I had like that mother kind of there. It was mm -hmm. more like a, like a 
older sister or a friend that mm. I got fucked up with. Um, yeah, and like a lot of a lot of situations, like a lot of the unhealthy relationships that I stayed in. Um, you know, I was I was really resentful about that. Um, you know, and and I was, you know, I um, a really big one for me to see my part was um, I had this ex, and it was it got to a point it was really abusive, and um, he ended up trying to kill me, and I ended up having to get like some surgeries um, from that, and. You know, to see, like, my only part in that was, like, holding on to that and, like, staying past the red flags, mm-hmm. right? Um, thinking that it would get better. That that really helped me get over that one, too. Um, and, like, looking at my fears, like, you know, I never, I never realized, like, I was so fearful until I took the time to look. Like, that fear of rejection or abandonment or, like, not being loved. Those ones, like, those really deep ones I had from, like, a child. Um, those ones, like were a lot of the reason, like, or led to, you know, me filling the void with relationships, with um, relations with men, um, trying to find that love and affection in other ways. Um, Yeah, I'm super grateful that, um, you know, that I've found this program and worked through some of these things because I I don't think I would have the peace and serenity that I have today, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, my sex conduct, um, yeah, like I mentioned, like, I filled the void and um, I never really looked at myself, right? And I blamed everyone else. I started to see that, like, I am not the victim. I had a part in everything. And, um, yeah, you know, my ego is definitely smashed. And that step five, my sponsor's like, so you think you're God? Hey, Alicia. And I was like, well, not anymore. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it was really humbling. And, um, you know, you know, since then, I've, I've done a, a handful of step fives. Um, you know, every year I try and do an inventory. And, um, you know, I've done one on a relationship, which has been good that I have that tool to work through some of that stuff. Um, step six and seven, I remember, like, as most people, I read it in the big book and I thought it was, like, very small. Mm-hmm. Not that important. Um and then as, as time and my recovery went on, I, you know, I, I got in, into a relationship at three months, mm-hmm. right, with somebody else who had three months. And, and um, I'm sure nobody suggested you not do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh, stay away from the treatment center, guys, Alicia. And I'm like, so we're dating now. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, thanks. I won't. No, thanks. Um, yeah. And, you know, like... <laughs> That's where I learned a lot about, like, my willingness to have things removed and Mm. um, what I was holding on to when I wasn't (laughs) and, like, being willing to. um, Yeah, step six, like, you know, and I, I, for a long time, I didn't understand that it was, like, a step that I, that I did with my higher power. Like, if my higher power removed my, my alcohol and drug obsession, my higher power can help me with these character Mm. defects and my shortcomings. And, um... Yeah, like, it, it for me, it's, like, it's always through pain, like, in that relationship. Like, I do not regret it. There was a lot of things that happened, and if you want to find out what areas you need to work on, I always suggest that people get into a relationship because, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like looking at a mirror sometimes. Some, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that's where a lot of growth came for me, right? Um, you know, I, I like... Asking my higher power for the help to, like, you know, advocate for myself and, like, you know, not people please. And, you know, through this program, like, I came in and I was very shy. I was very reserved. I, I didn't share at meetings or, or really talk. Like, I would talk to people, but not, yeah. I was, like, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't have very much self-esteem or self-worth. And um, through six and seven, like, I started to change, like, the ways I conducted myself and my behaviors and I started to change like my family and everyone started to see that change and like you know that's a pretty beautiful thing because by the time I I went to do my amends people seen the change in me Mm -hmm. right which is what this program gives us right um if you work a 12-step program it can give you that relief um yeah step eight when I wrote out my step eight for myself like I was willing to make all my amends I think, like, for myself, because I see my part in, in all the things. Like, I might not have 
had enough change in place to make them yet. So mm. I, some of them, like, I had to wait some time because I did have periods of sobriety. And, like, it was stressed to me the importance of, you know, if if I, for myself, if I want to stay sober, like, clearing up all, all that wreckage of my past, all that shit that I did, like, um, I'll only make the slowest progress forward if I'm, like, carrying this heavy backpack with all these heavy rocks in it, right? Like, I, I can make some progress forward, but once I start, like, dealing with things and working on my character defects and and making situations right with people, that's when I, I will, like, really move forward. Mm. And, um, yeah, like, a lot of my amends were deferred. Um, my, my biggest amend, I would say, was to my dad. Um... Like, my dad doesn't know much about the program. He's come to, like, some of my birthday meetings. Mm. He's just like, whatever you're doing is working for you, so <laughs> keep doing it. <laughs> mm. uh, he's like, this is the only thing that's worked. So, <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so it was, like, around my one-year um, one year birthday, and my dad's like, you know, you're, like, you're a totally different person, Alicia. He's like, it's like your personality has changed. And I was like, called my sponsor. I was like, my dad doesn't even know that the personality change is what we're trying to do here. And I'm like, mm. you just said this. I was like, it's time. Mm. <laughs> and um, making that amend, you know, I, I made sure, like, I wasn't lying to my dad anymore. I wasn't mm. being dishonest in any way. I was committing to things like, you know, um, I used to tell my family I would be right back all the time and take off for weeks or months. Mm. Like, um you know, look them right in the eyes and say that. And like, so for me, a big thing, like with my family and part of my amends is like doing what I say. Like if I say I'm going to be there somewhere, I make sure I be there because yeah. Um, so that amends with my father, it, it was, you know, taking accountability for the things I had done, you know, that, that was the easy part really. Mm. Um, the hard part was actually like listening to how I affected I mean, I never really thought about that during my addiction, the ways that I really affected other people, mm. right? Um, yeah, and, like, hearing, you know, about all the sleepless nights, so, like, the phone calls, like, one of his friends is a cop, and, I, you know, I used to sell drugs in Forest Lawn, and he'd see me all the time, and I guess he called my dad and would tell him the people I was with, and he said he was always worried he was going to get a phone call that I'd be overdosed on the mm. side of the street or be found down by the river like the sleepless nights the worry you know the you know taking time from like m my brother and my my family and his life because he was always so worried about me mm. um yeah like that he began to accept the fact that I was just probably gonna die mm. um die an addict death um you know that was hard to hear too and when I um, you know, it was very humbling. And like, um, when I asked him what I could do to make it right, you know, my, my father's biggest thing was like, you know, to be consistent and keep doing what I'm doing and, and go over every week to have dinner with him once a week. Mm. Um, you know, so that, that was a really big thing. And like, you know, that amend, um, you know, I always had a really hard time with my dad because my dad was very, like, an angry person and I was very sensitive. Um, but as I've started to heal, my father it's healed. Mm. And, like, that relationship is, has developed, like, you know, my dad's one of my best friends now. And, like, yeah, probably, like, finding out that he was dying was, yeah, probably, like, one of the hardest things in mm. my recovery so far. Um, what's, what's going on for him, if I can ask? Yeah, he, uh, he has mesothelioma cancer, so he mm -hmm. has asbestosis of the lungs. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, it's, um, so his lungs are at, like, 30%, and they're going to mm -hmm. keep going downward, and basically, like, he will suffer to death, or, like, suffocate to death. Did you say why asbestos? Uh, asbestos. Oh, asbestos, okay. Because yeah. I just saw a thing on this, a disease called asbestos, and it's, like, almost like anthrax or something like that. But this is cancer, right? Yeah, like like well, it's like the asbestos spores turn into um, turn into cancer. Yeah. They're okay. cancerous. Yeah. So I remember though, like I, I'm so grateful for this program. I make one of my best friends in this program. Um, my dad's close with him too, and he was like, 
yeah, come, um, can you guys come out? And he was like, so my best guy friend was there with me when my dad told me and, mm. you know, like I was able, like, you know, I was able to go to a meeting and talk to people about it. And like, I, I didn't think about drinking, using, um, and that's such a blessing because like for an alcoholic addict like me to have, to not want to think about that. And like one of those biggest times that I thought would be a reservation was pretty mm. amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like in December, uh, my dad got ammonia, which attacks your lungs. Mm. And, um, he just about died when I got him to a specialist at the South Health campus. Cause I live in Airdrie. His lungs mm -hmm. were at 7% and, um, wow. and it's COVID times and they weren't letting anyone in mm. back there, but, um, they let me back in cause they thought he was going to die. And, um, I remember like my, um, my service sponsor was like, Alicia, like, have you said everything to your dad that you need to say? Like, I can say because of this program and like this beautiful life that I have today that I've said everything mm -hmm. to my dad. Right. And we have like, you know, like, and that's pretty amazing to, you mm -hmm. know, but it's, it's also no wonder because of that. It's also no wonder that that's a fear of relapse. Right. Because we know instinctively that that's a big one. You know, it's, it takes time and sobriety to realize that going out is not going to change anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just, it, well, it will. It'll make it worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. And, yeah. like, you know, I remember, like, you know, my family, like, um, you know, we got reacquainted with my half-sister. Um, and when my dad found out about his health stuff, he, like, reconnected mm. with her and and whatnot. And and uh, everybody was, like, asking me what was going on. And, uh, and, like, you know, I was able to be there for my family. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was actually, like, showed up. And, like, yeah, it was, like, it felt good to be able to, like, show up for my family and mm -hmm. be there. So, you know, that that wouldn't have happened without a higher power self, let me tell you. Like, well, and what an amazing fundamental shift in you to show up to actually you do the grieving process. Because that's yeah. what grief is. Grief is the, well, the action of grieving is when we get together and we have those connections right mm -hmm. again. It starts that process. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Thanks. Yeah. So like that amend with my father was mm -hmm. a big one. Um, and um, yeah, you know, I, I've, it was stressing me the importance of like doing all my amends. I've, I've done, mm -hmm. I've currently done all my um, direct amends. And just like, I just continue to live differently right now. Um, I'm just on a new step eight right now. And uh, I just got my, I just have some financial amends right now, but mm. um, I've been paying stuff off and becoming this third year of my recovery has been becoming better with money. Nice. <laughs> so uh, well done. finally understanding like budgeting and paying stuff off. So that's, mm. that's good. Right. And that also wouldn't have happened without this program. Fundamental um, alteration. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amends have been like, like, amends are my favorite step probably because mm -hmm. of like how much like, you know, it's pretty amazing to be able to go back to someone and like be changed. And like not everybody receives it well. And like, you know, I've had some amends, like one of my childhood friends, um, you know, like always very selfish and self-centered and, and I hurt her in a lot of ways. And like, um, there was like a couple like shitty situations and like I had asked her and she said, she's like, just stay sober. Like, I don't need your amends or whatever. And I just stayed willing. And like, you know, years later, like I think like two and a half years sober, um, she was like, Hey, do you think we could have a conversation? Can I have your, that amends? And I said, yeah, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. And just like the program says, like we stay willing cause we don't know like what's going to happen with mm -hmm. other people. And like, maybe they might get to a point where then they want to process it or deal with it. Mm. So that's been pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's a very cool process when we can like be patient. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And watch how creator puts stuff in our path. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, step 10. Like I remember like I did not understand what step 10 was. Right. I would just call and talk shit about a situation to my sponsor and just hope that my sponsor would agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like through a bunch of pain and like, you know, by the next time when I went to get to my second step four, you know, I had a handful of resentments put on there again because I wasn't working through stuff as it mm. came up. So it's like, 
I've learned that being sober, like as long as I keep processing what I'm going through as stuff comes up, like, you know, I, I stay connected and I stay like in that sunlight of the spirit. Right. Mm. Um, it's like when I hold on to these things and like allow them to rent space in my head, like my character defects or my fears or resentments that I start to become like more and more disconnected and like start to become more and more off the beam. Mm -hmm. My emotional sobriety starts to slip. So like, um, through, through a lot of pain. Right. And like, you know, something happened with this relationship that I was in and, and I went through a lot of pain there. I, I heard this lady share in this, in, in a meeting and she shared about step 10 and I just like, I really understood what she was saying. Mm -hmm. So I asked her to help me with it. And like, that's what really helped my program. Right. Because like, you know, working through stuff as it came up mm -hmm. really helped. Um, yeah, step, step 11, like, prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact like i would i would pray and and i would meditate but i didn't do them together and i remember when somebody was like alicia if i want to build a friendship with you and i just talk to you and i cover my ears what what would you think and i'd be like well that's rude <laughs> right she's like yeah. so she's like if if you want to build that relationship with your higher power like when you pray you have to take the time to meditate and mm -hmm. listen on it and you and you pair them together and like when I when I made that connection um and you know like that's when like you know my intuition started to build I started to trust that like mm -hmm. fundamental feeling of of God within me um yeah I remember like it came up one time in meditation that I should move back home and um I was like that's weird and I was talking to my friend Bill in the program and and he's like, you know what, Alicia, just keep meditating on it. Your higher power will give you an answer 100%. Just trust your higher power and it will come. And I remember um, going to my dad's for dinner. And this is before I found out that he was dying. Um, like right before he had like some sort of eye thing go on. And like he was like having all these troubles. And like I could start to see stuff wasn't like you could see his health deteriorating. And I was like had this feeling. I was like, yeah. I got to move back and like, you know, so since then, like in my recovery, I've moved back home. And so I was there to be there for him when all that stuff happened. And, and that, yeah, that's been a blessing too. Um, Obviously it means a lot to you to be there for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it really does. Like, you know, to be my, responsible and yeah, my, like my family was always there for me and like now mm -hmm. I get to show them, show up and be there for them. So, um, right on. Yeah, and, and step 12, like, sponsoring is, like, I sponsor quite a bit. Um, my first sponsor showed me this part in the big book. Like, it says, if if sex relationships are troublesome, throw yourself the harder into helping others. So, like, you know, I, I sponsor a lot, not just because of that, but also, like, a lot of the harms that I did financially um, from my little fraud career there. I do not know like how much money that would equal. So I just try and help people wherever I can mm -hmm. and try and be of maximum service, right? And as long as I keep doing the next right thing and you know, if I'm able to help someone and I can, I, I feel like I'm making that right with my higher power and like I'm good with myself and my higher power about that. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful someone took the time to go through this book with me because like I tried so many ways to get sober. like. You know, like I tried psychologists, counselors, reading books, uh, self-knowledge, uh, other type of, of meetings, like uh, smart recovery and stuff. And, and those are great. And they teach you some good things just for, for myself. That just wasn't wasn't what helped give me a solution. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like, you know, it was stressed me the importance of being a woman in recovery and sponsoring because I find like there's already less women in recovery, like the, just like population wise. And then, um, you know, like I don't see as many women sponsoring. Um, I hear that a lot actually. Yeah. So like, you know, my, my friend Bill was like, Alicia, like, you know, it's so important to pass this on, like, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, so yeah, like, and, and I, and I love it. I'm, I love that I'm able to take things that I've been through and to help mm -hmm. other women. Um, that, that's such a beautiful thing too. Um, and develop healthy connections with women mm. and people in the room. I, and to live by the principles in all my affairs, like that was something that like, 
um, and stressed me like, you know, having that integrity, am I the same person like sitting here in front of you guys right now as I am outside in the car, like out at the mall or like in society, right? Um, you know, am I operating by love and tolerance and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, right? Um, at this point in my recovery, like the substance, none of the substances are the problem. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's myself that's a problem. It's my character defects and like, you know, my self-will, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in recovery, I've been able to do some like pretty amazing things that I never thought that I'd be able to do. It's amazing how quickly like your life can can come together when you when you give it up to something else, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, when you get away from the problem and start living in the solution, right? Things definitely change and drastically most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty I, amazing. Yeah, I never thought that I'd be so happy. Like, you know, this past week, um, I've been doing like a bit of reflecting. Um, you know, like. Like I had, um, I was looking at five months jail time for some no insurance tickets because I had like three. <laughs> they Those just are big ones. the greatest yeah. penalty. Um, and I, 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 when I went to face that one, I told them I'd do the jail time and they're like, Alicia, you've come a long way. We don't think sending you back to jail would be mm-hmm. a great idea. So they, they actually let me do community service. Right. And on. they, yeah, they allowed me it's to like $10,000 in tickets. Yep. Yeah. And uh, 566.65 hours, <laughs> to be exact. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, you got to figure and, it out. And um, the lady, it was during COVID, and um, so there wasn't a lot of places for fine options to do hours mm. that were, like, all open and stuff, and I had so, so many hours to do. She was like, this isn't the most I've seen, but it's it's pretty substantial. She's like, but people don't usually do them all, and I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, um, And... Um, yeah, so she let me be the first person that she would let me do, like, uh, recovery stuff. And I had someone mm-hmm. sign off on the different things I, I do out in the community and whatnot. And I, I finished my hours. Right and, on. yeah, that, that was a pretty big thing to have, um, you know, and I felt like I, I made it right. And, like, you know, I remember, like, like the lady who was signing my papers, like, um, I was like... I was like, I'm so proud of myself. I was like, I didn't even lie on any of the hours. I, like, I meticulously kept track. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, well, like, if we need to, like, hand it in, you know. She's like, I know you're good for the hours. I was like, no, no, I cannot. I'm like, I'm like I feel like that would, yeah, be counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can say, like, you know, today to live differently and to be honest, um, that that's a pretty big, pretty mm-hmm. big thing, too. Um I've been able to to go to school my go to school and I uh, c- completed a year-long program and I started my own business I have a business partner in the program as well and um, that's been pretty amazing um, you know I've had a couple of different like neck surgeries and and mm-hmm. different health things like that like I still struggle with my chronic pain but mm-hmm. it's definitely you know it's it's easier to manage and on those bad pain days I just I give myself the time and mm-hmm. give myself the rest that I need. Um, I've been through breakups, financial insecurity, all these things, like, um, and be able to get to the other side. You know, um, my my dad and my family trust me in the house. Like, um, you know, even to be welcomed back there, to move back there was pretty big because, mm-hmm. like, to be trusted and, like, you know, my family leaves their wallets out and they don't think about me stealing it. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. And like, you know, I can get pulled over and I don't go to jail. Like, I remember going on, going to a meeting for my 18 months and I got pulled over and um, my friends were in the vehicle for to come to my birthday. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going in for, guys. Like, just take my van and like go park <laughs> it somewhere for me. And they're like, oh, your registration just expired. And and it's fine, like, go have fun at your sober birthday. And I was like, called my mom. I was like, guess what? I pulled over and I didn't go to jail. She's like, that's great, dear. Like, <laughs> you know, and like, they might seem like weird little wins to some mm-hmm. people, but for me, like... Welcome to citizenship. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Fucking A. It's so amazing, like, it's amazing the life that we can live if we just, like, can take our hand off the wheel a little mm-hmm. bit, right? And find something that works for us. Yeah, that's pretty much my story. Right on. 
So is there anything you would tell anybody out there that maybe they haven't come in yet? Maybe they're just listening and waiting to hear something that helps them. Anything that might have helped you earlier on or at any point in time? Yeah, I, I would say like um, one of my friends always says like make recovery a way of living, mm. right? Like, you know, I always wondered why I couldn't do it. And like I had to change. I had to change what I was doing to get a changed result. And like when I ingrained recovery and like putting, you know, putting like being sober first and whatever that inquired for myself is that not everyone's road to recovery is the same. And like mm. not everyone does the 12 steps and like, there's so many other means to get sober as mm. well, right? Um, the more the merrier, I think. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, whatever works for you. And I, mm -hmm. I, like, I, like, I don't think, like, everybody fits into the same box, right? And, like, mm -hmm. it's okay if your recovery looks different. Just, like, find something that works for you and, like, put that first and give yourself a chance, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I never thought that I'd be, I'd be sitting here, like, sober, happy, peaceful, um, I, you know, I don't look over my shoulder and I don't mm -hmm. live in shame and guilt anymore. Like, that's huge. Right on. Can I ask you a question? It yeah. might be personal and you don't have to answer it, but it's about the tattoo competition you were in. The photos of your tattoos? How'd it go? Um, so it said I finished in first. Okay. And then, and then the next day it said I finished in second. And uh, we think somebody bought some votes for me with a sketchy credit card. Oh, <laughs> and that's shit. That's why it said first. And then, it, and then like, it went second. Everybody's like, well, that's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Some, some sort of fix was in. Maybe yeah. for number two to become number one, they paid a little extra. Yeah. Somebody used a sketchy card, eh? That's, that's hilarious. That's what I think. That would actually make a lot of sense to you. Because some of the <laughs> friends we have, right? Like some of the friends we have would absolutely do that. Oh, yeah. I have, yep. yeah there's Me too. I have absolutely do have friends that would do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone bought 9,000 copies of your book, Dave. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad news. Thank That's... you for trying to show me you yeah. care, but... <laughs> Thanks for loving me with someone else's money. In your money. own way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. Um, yeah, cool. Thank you so much for coming on here.